Welcome to the Farming Without the Bank podcast, the show with a no BS approach to money. Hosted by a farm strategy expert and authorized IBC practitioner. Join us as we get real and expose the flaws of traditional financial institutions in order to help farmers take control of their finances, create peace of mind, grow their wealth, and leave a legacy. Now, here's your host, Mary Jo Ehrman. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning into today's podcast. And welcome back if this is not your first one, and welcome if it's your first one. I just have a special guest today, which I am super excited about because I have a lot of people that I talk to, and if we're not making a lot of money farming, I always ask people, are you marketing your grain? Are you marketing cows? And I don't like I don't know the details of all of that. I'm not going to pretend to know the details of all of that because it is not my expertise. My expertise is infinite banking and life insurance. And so I'm calling in the experts on the rest of it. But if you are not marketing grain, if this is something that's new to you, then I have today's guest that is going to go over what is marketing grain? Why is it important? How can we do it successfully? And how can we make sure we're making money? Because remember, we are in the business of farming. The business of farming, we are not there for a loss. So today I am talking to Tim Bickett, who is a branch manager for the ARC group and a market advisor. And we are going to learn all about marketing correctly so that we have income to do something with and perhaps even start a policy. There's a concept, right? Why you're all listening. (laughs) So welcome, Tim. Well, thank you so much, Mary Jo, for inviting me to be part of this. I have to say that I, I have been an avid follower of your podcast. I get to travel some with my job. And that's one of the things that I'd rather do than try to always find a station is that I I get a podcast set up prior to taking off. And uh, so I appreciate uh, your podcast. It's been good. Awesome. Thanks. Hey, that was not even solicited, guys. That was... (laughs) (laughs) And and Tim and and I have been talking about infinite banking for uh, probably a year or better. So he didn't... um, he didn't drink all the Kool-Aid right away either. He he learned and he was like most of you I'm sure out there listening making sure that it's legit and it works and all this good stuff. But I was introduced to the ARC group about 2 years ago and through one of the co-owners I believe of that group. And so I was super interested. I also have other brokers, I guess you would call them, that do marketing as clients as well. And so the whole marketing thing has just always been very interesting to me. And the way the ARC group does it is a little bit different than what most people are doing for marketing. And so that's why we have Tim on today. So Tim, can you just share, before we get into all the marketing talk, can you just share a little bit about why you chose this route, because it's not something, um, the marketing side isn't something that you've always done. Correct. And and so, you know, in, in today's day and age, you know, with everything going on, I am proud to say that I am from South Dakota. 
Okay. <laughs> uh, Midwest in general, South Dakota specifically, but it's interesting. I grew up in Eastern South Dakota and I'm the sixth of nine kids. And when I was 11, my mom told me, said, boys, I'm going to put clothes on your back and shoes on your feet. But if you want to wear that fashion stuff, it's up to you. And that was her drive to get us out of the house. And we picked rocks, we painted fences, we, you know, pulled weeds, whatever, uh, hauled bales, of course. And, and, and it's through that efforts that uh, I, I developed a relationship with a neighbor and uh, worked for him off and on for about three, four years. But the summer I turned 15, I started working for him full time. And I worked for them for and partnered with them up until 2002. And it was a great relationship uh, and, and kind of his son was coming back into the operation and I had an opportunity to put my animal science education to use in a different fashion. And it worked out for both of us really. And it was part of their family transition. And so that led me into uh, doing sales and consulting. And part of it was, is that uh, I have a saying that I talk about a lot about ideal isn't always practical and practical isn't always ideal. And the good Lord feeds blind squirrels too. Right. (laughs) And so I never had an intention that I would have a sales and or consulting career. It was production agriculture. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be the guy growing stuff. And But being led to where I'm at today, it's hard to envision life any other way. And, you know, I was in Saskatchewan uh, a few years back. I was invited to speak at the Saskatchewan Stock Growers Conference and talk about uh, cattle buildings that I was representing and helping people build cattle barns. And one of the participants asked me, kind of stuck their finger in my chest and said, what gives you the right to come speak to us? And was I was kind of offended by it, really. And I thought about it a little bit. And that was the evening before I was supposed to speak. And I just, the next morning I got up there and I was like, I hadn't planned for this to be a part of my, my talk that I was going to give. But, you know, yeah. and I said that, I said, yesterday, somebody here challenged me as to why I was qualified to come speak to you. And I started thinking about my education and my experience. But then it led me to the thought is like, while those are important, it is my passion for agriculture and the people that are involved in it that makes me qualified to come speak to you today. Because I know when I build opportunity for your family, I'm also helping build opportunity for my kids if they want to choose agriculture as their path, you know, and that was very well received. And the guy that poked me in the chest the night before was sitting in the front table. He just nice, gives me a nice thumbs up. And I'm like, was that intentional? <laughs> and so he brought out my best by challenging me with a tough question. And um, that part of it has, it was really my cattle building world that actually led me to ARC group that uh, one of my broker partners came to one of our open houses looking for a cattle building for his own operation. And he would happen to be a part of my group, you know, there, and this is kind of the, you know, the direction, if you will, you know, there's more than 400 people at that open house that day. And I was giving tours. I gave 30 or 40 tours that day. My broker partner, Shane, just happened to be part of my group. We hit it off. We carried a connection forward. And I kept harassing him. I said, when are you going to open a branch office in Minnesota? Because I know i got friends, neighbors, and customers that, that just need what you guys are offering. And in 2018, when I asked that question again, kind of like a pestering kid, mom, 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 mom. You know, I says, when are you going to open this branch office? He said, whenever you're ready. And 
that led me to, to really think about it more strategically. And was it something that I could provide a value over and above the cost structure? Because that's to me, you know, when I work for somebody, that's my goal is that I need to provide value over my cost. And that's so I can sleep at night. And so that's a little bit of how I've got here. And it's really about a passion for agriculture in rural America. And, that's, and I'm really excited about this. And so. and that's funny because it's the same thing with me, right? People say, well, I actually, <laughs> I had a guy post on um, Facebook the other day and said, how many acres does princess farm? And so <laughs> apparently I'm a princess. I should have a crown. <laughs> yeah. <Right. laughs> Where's my crown um, and yeah. my glittery and my glittery clothes. But why, you know, why believe what Mary Jo has to say? What the heck does she know about agriculture? Because I don't have farm ground. I'm not farming. Right. That doesn't mean right. that I have to farm to have the passion for farming. It just, it's, right. does your banker farm? You know, most of your bankers don't farm yet. You're, you're allowing them to make your decisions. And so right. if there is, and we all stay in our lanes, I'm not going to cross lanes because I don't know I'm not the expert in that field. And so how can I be a farmer and do this at the same time? I've seen people try and they fail because you can't do two things at once and be good at both of them and both of them be super productive depending on how far you want to take that business. So I love that. I love the answer. Love it. It's great. (laughs) Okay. So back to the, just the part of that uh, aspect of, you know, why would somebody need an accountant? Why would somebody need a uh, veterinarian? Why does somebody need a market advisor to provide a service in a professional manner that they either cannot or don't wish to provide for themselves? So you asked my next question. Why do I, not just, you answered the, why do I need a market advisor, but why do I need to market grain, but I think first, let's go very basic. And okay. and let's act like the people listening have, have no idea what that means. Because okay. I can tell you there are a lot of people I talk to because they're not all 10,000, 20,000 acre farms. There are a right. lot of people that I've talked to that are small farmers. What does mm-hmm. it mean to market grain? Okay. So it kind of uh, gets back to just the basics. You are going to produce a commodity and let's, and let's talk about corn. Let's use that as our, our base of conversation. So you raise that crop and you raise that crop to be sold. Okay. And if you're a livestock guy, you're still going to sell it. You're going to sell it to your cattle or hog or chicken feeding operation, you are going to sell that, right? And that process of selling, that's marketing, okay? In the non-agricultural world, marketing means getting people to understand my product and so they come in the door and are interested in buying it. In the green world, marketing means I'm going to take a product to market, right? That I'm going to sell it to somebody. Some of the challenges with that in agriculture is that we are price takers. If I go into the hardware store, there's a set price on a 916th wrench. I don't have an opportunity to negotiate above or below that set price. There's a set price on that, on that 916th wrench. And if I believe it's a fair price, I'll purchase it, right? 
but that price is set by the guy selling it. In agriculture, we don't have that luxury. We don't get to set, this is a generalization, okay, but we don't set the price for the commodities that we've raised when they come to market. We are price takers, okay? And so in our market advisory, we help people with that, bringing that product to market and getting it priced in an appropriate manner. Okay. So how do you do that better than what I would do it if I just hauled it to the elevator? Because that's what the majority, and I'm going to say the majority of my clients, I can't give you a percentage. I can just tell you the majority of my clients are hauling it right to the elevator and they're not marketing it. Or, and maybe this is a question for a later question, Tim, but they're marketing it, selling it based off of what the guy on the radio is telling them, sell it today because it's the highest price it's going to be. So we're marketing it or we're hauling it in based on what the commodity reports are because that's what we're listening to every single day deciding when we're going to sell that grain. Well, and and I think it gets back to if you are raising a crop, you have to sell it, right? Yep. Okay. And so my question is, would come back to, do I need some help or do I need a market advisor to help me market that? Okay. My first question is, do you have a plan? Do you have a strategy in how you plan to sell? No, because I'm just hauling it to the elevator, right? Because that's that's how grandpa did it. That's how dad did it. That's how great grandpa did it. And that is one of the beauties of agriculture but also one of our banes is that we have this loyalty to history that, well, this is the way we've always done it. Why would I do it any different? And I imagine that in your line of business, you hear that more than most, but that's, that's a part of it. And so, and if the answer to that question is, yes, I have a strategy. The next question is, do you have the discipline and do you have the time to execute that strategy effectively? Okay. And if the answer to that question is yes, do you have emotional separation to execute that strategy? And do you still have somebody, where do you get your information? Who is your advisor? Who is your, uh, well, the guy in the radio is really good and I've done perfect. Okay. Wherever you get your information and however you develop your plan and however you execute it, that's great. But if you said no to any one of those three major questions, no strategy and man, I, I just, I, I never get it done. Okay then those are the two main questions. It says, yes, I probably need somebody to step in and help me define a strategy is great, but you know, selling at the high is not a strategy. Okay. Because it, it, it doesn't take into account the, you know, the significant complexity of the market. But at the same time, even if you have a well laid out plan, how do you execute it? Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's, your question that you originally asked was, what makes us a little bit different? And that piece of it is execution and doing substantial execution, meaning that I know of when I often talk to new customers, they've done some, some marketing, but they've really not done enough volume to really make a difference. And that execution, and, and it's about helping people understand the market. That's part of what we do. It's about developing a plan for their operation. It's then executing that plan and being uh, flexible inside that. 
So do you, do you help them, Tim, with the plan? Because yes. farmers suck at plans. Sorry, guys. No. Sorry, sorry <laughs> to all you wonderful farmers listening. But you're not been in those shoes before. Yeah. <laughs> I when I send when when people make an appointment with me, I send an email that says these are the things I'm going to ask you and the things I want. I'm going to need answers for. And most will show up with no idea that I even sent the email and they haven't looked at it. They haven't read it. They don't know their numbers. And so mm-hmm. what type of, do you help me with the plan? Do you, do I need to know what my inputs are so that I know if I'm going to sell at a profit or not? And I have to do that homework because you're not doing it for me, are you? No. Okay. No. But I, but I need be, to know it. Yeah, we have to have an idea of our cost of production. Now, we'll say this, the market doesn't care what your cost of production is, okay? If you're, and I'll just take this year's corn, if your cost of production is 425, did you have an opportunity to sell 2020 crop at a profitable level in the past 24 months? Maybe for two days, okay? And so that's part of this plan is that it isn't just about 2020, we were selling 2020 crop in 2019. I've got my eye on 2021 today. And that's really what our risk management part of marketing really comes in is that it's having a plan to mitigate the risks that are inherent with producing a commodity. Okay. And, and this is a part so, where- So some, I'm going to you know, stop you. I'm going to stop yep. you. Because I think that people need to catch that. It's- to mitigate the risk. It's not to eliminate the risk. It's not to just say, oh, okay, well, we have risk. We can't do anything about it. No, no, you can do something about it. You can mitigate it and have the plan that is done where egg risk consulting is doing a little differently. We're mitigating it differently than what most are. We're not just shooting at the stars, hoping that we can sell high today Right. And and haul it in today. And what if the elevator doesn't have room for it? Now, right. where do we go with it? Yeah. And so that part of it, and it's mitigating price risk, okay? You have crop insurance that you have that mitigates weather risk, okay? And what we do is a risk management plan to mitigate price risk, okay? And if you, and, and this is the part that's hard for some people to gather that, even if you have crop insurance and you're raising a crop, okay, you still have price risk. Okay. There are some components of crop insurance that help with that part of it, but you still have price risk, majority price risk. And if you're not doing any sort of pricing on that growing crop from a price standpoint, you are a hundred percent speculator. And how would your lender, whether it's yourself, because you've done a really good job with IBC, or it's a lender in town, if you said, you know what, I think I'm just going to speculate on this year's crop, because that's what you're doing without a plan that you're executing. And speculating is assuming 100% price risk. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Oh, I love that. Are you a speculator yeah. or are you a marketer? <laughs> yeah. There's a difference. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I love it. Okay. And so the basics of the plan without getting into specifics that really change and can take this to a four hour conversation. <laughs> we don't, we don't three, have four hours. We don't have four hours. <laughs> no. Is it, is that we focus on three main areas and that is price, 
and then carry, and then basis. Okay, and so we'll go back and price is pretty well understood what that is. And we work to set our price using a pre-harvest seasonal incremental selling. Okay, that's that's kind of the process there. Carry, what is carry? Carry is the difference between our target contract month, say December, and the price of that same commodity contract a month in the future. Okay. So the difference between December 20 corn and March of 21 corn, right? There is a, in a normal market, the March contract is going to be worth more than December, right? Because there's a cost to store that commodity, right? And so there's historical analysis of that, but we want to try and maximize that on grain that we're going to store. And then in basis is the difference between the futures, the nearby futures month and what is being paid at that local end user, the elevator, you know, and that's such a good point that you brought up earlier about if I normally have always delivered my grain to my local co-op, if I work with ARC group, am I still going to deliver grain there? The answer to that question is yes, if they're the best price market for us. Okay. And that best price market can be because they're the closest, because they offer the best price comparative to other end users in the area. Logistics matter. And then we also have the emotional part of it too, that it's like, you know what? I want to deliver to the co-op because they do great things in my community. And that's worth you know, a nickel a bushel less for me just to do business with them. Perfect. Okay. My job is to not necessarily make a decision for you about where this grain is going to end up but to give you all the information so that we make a decision that you're comfortable and confident with. That if you decide, I'm willing to give up a dime a bushel to do business with this particular end user because I want to, that's still your decision. My job is to make sure you know that there's a dime difference between using that preferred, your preferred uh, grain market end user to another. Mm-hmm. And if there's always a dime even though we marketed to the preferred end user in 2019, in 2020, I'm going to remind you that there's a dime difference, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's my job. And so that's but some of that. Some of that comes back to emotional though. And I understand right. that this is where I've always gone with it, but in my opinion, and I, and this is just my opinion, not knowing anything is I'm running a business. And I might take some of that to the co-op, but we don't have to take all of it there to lose a dime because at the end of the day, we're in business to make a profit. And that is why we hired Tim is to help us. So if we want to just keep doing what we're doing, don't bother hiring Tim because you're not going to make the profit and we're here to make a profit. I have a customer today that uh, sits on the board of a local local cooperative. Do we market 100% of our grain to that particular cooperative? No, because they've not had the best bid. Yeah. And he's okay with it. He's not going to get kicked off the board because of it, but he can sure take it into it. It's like, why am I not getting all your grain? Because you guys are 15 cents behind the market consistently. And the, this is what I really like about the ARC group that when I was introduced to them is it's not, we're not just taking it to the local elevator. We might be going to, we might be taking 
corn to a local hog producer. We might be sure. taking it to some feedlot. We might, they're not just looking at the normal outlets and they're, they have relationships with all these other people. That's what kind of sets them apart. And and maybe I don't, I just haven't talked to enough brokers to know that. And maybe well, there are other ones out there doing that. But I like you, that we can help another farmer out along the way as well if they're closer. Well, and, and you just really defined one of the big differences between the Ag Risk Consulting Group and other marketing entities, if you will. Okay. Your local grain elevator has a marketing staff. You know, there are brokerages out there. But, and we do brokerage things. And we do grain merchandiser things, all for the best interest of our customer, the independent farmer, okay? So we can do everything that a brokerage does, everything that a merchandiser will do, and yet at the end of the day, we're not tied to any specific end user until we are ready to make the delivery of that commodity because we have chosen them because they're going to pay us the best out of the in, in, in my local market. Okay. And we still have, and like you said, we have relationships with them. We're not trying to set up a whole different channel for that grain. Our job is, you know, and a big word is arbitrage, determining value differences between different, you know, locations. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. XYZ over here is paying 35 cents a bushel better, but it's going to cost us 40 cents to get it there. Well, we're not going to go there. And so all those things come into play as we are determining for each individual customer where their grain should go. The other part of that is as we build a customer base in a specific geographic area, how we set up business, I am the cash market presence for my customers. I'm the one negotiating with local end users. And so that you, I may have 10 customers that all have 50,000 bushel of corn to sell. But when I present it to the end user, I'm presenting a half million bushels. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's where our grain dealer, we're licensed grain dealers in the state we operate in to be able to do that. Now, at the end of the day, my same customers that have always delivered to that particular end user, they may still go there, but they're delivering under the umbrella and they got better pricing because we pulled our bushels together. And the other side of that is that People are a little bit inherently lazy. And then if I'm a grain buyer and I know that I can make one phone call to the, you know, Tim Bickett, ARC group and ask the question, how much grain you guys have? And they know that it's farmer direct bushels. We're not pulling out of some other stored area. It's all farmer direct bushels. And so the quality is high. And so we, we build that relationship with them, but they also know they have to compete for the bushels of our customers. And so that, those are the things that are really excited me about why I wanted to, you know, hitch my family's well-being to this group is that we work for the farmer. And Our so, goal is to help them stay independent. And the, the group is making that contract based on volume where if I come in, I'm just one guy. So right. I can't, I don't have the pull necessarily that you guys have as volume. And so mm-hmm. now we're, we're, I mean, that just makes sense to me. I guess like we're also independent farmers are such independent thinkers. They don't want to work 
if we did things as a group and we and we pulled everything together and stopped fighting with each other, don't even get me on that topic, but I'm just going to bring that up. Just right. stop fighting with each other and use a method of of like this. That is exciting to me because now we can have a bunch of smaller farmers still getting the benefits of a big farmer because we've grouped it together. And yep. The gentleman that started, who is the founder of the ARC group? Justin Lovegrove. Okay. So when I heard Justin's story about why he started, um, I had a conference call with the whole group, and I I might totally blow this story, but I really, like, <laughs> I'm going to give Justin a lot of extra credit. You're welcome, Justin. But when he came from a big operation to just boil down his story, he came from a really large operation. And when he was working off the farm, realized farmers did not know how to market grain like the big farmers did. And he just assumed everybody knew that. And so the ARC group started because Justin wants to help the smaller guy and teach you how to do what the big guys are doing. People. You do not, listeners, you do not get that. There are not a lot of people like the Justins of the world that say, hey, I'm going to give you the insider secrets. And he's doing that for you. And you get you get the benefit of that. You don't have to do business with the ARC group. You don't have, I don't, I don't care what you do. Ultimately, Tim doesn't care what you do. It's up to you to make that phone call and make that decision. Or am I going to look into this and do something different versus what I've always done? And so you have to start somewhere. Now yes. we are 30 minutes in. And so okay. I don't want to get, I don't want to get too super long here because there sure. is so much to it. I can't tell oh, yeah. you as a as a listener, I can't tell you how many times I've talked to Shane, I've talked to Tim, and I still don't understand even a little bit. Like when I try to when I try to um explain IBC to people and they don't get it, that's kind of what I feel like when we talk about marketing green. So I can't even all I can tell you is I know people that have used the ARC group. I know people very close to me that have marketed with them that have looked for years to try to find somebody that can explain hedging, that can explain marketing, that can do it differently and so that they can understand it. And the ARC group came in and explained it so it could be understood. And this is the reason that I'm having Tim on today is because he is the only person that has been able to truly explain it to me in layman's terms about (laughs) what the heck is going on because I'm not the smartest light bulb in the bunch when it comes to marketing grain, right? So at least I have a basic knowledge of it, but I also know that the majority of you listening are not marketing correctly or not marketing at all. And so if you want information on how to do it. Tim, do you charge those people for a consult? Nope, because that's how we start. Okay. We start with a phone call to start asking good questions. And we start by getting to know each individual operation, what crops you raise, you know, how much on-farm storage is available, what are your cash flow needs, yada, yada, yada. We've got a I get a list of questions that I need to kind of gear that, steer that conversation. And then 
if we continue on it, then we start laying out that plan and helping people get comfortable and confident with the process with, you know, our, our programs are designed that if you've never had a, you know, uh, a market position, that's okay. We will, we'll help you. And, and my goal is to continually educate my customers as we go through. So they get confident in what's going on. I had a, uh, one of my customers call me earlier this spring and it was at the beginning, probably early March, uh, of this whole coronavirus scenario and the markets were being doing what markets do when there's uncertainty and had some fairly strong volatility. And he says, you know, I needed to call you and just let you know that I've been sleeping really good lately. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't care if you're taking Zantax or melatonin. Why are you telling me this? And he's like, no, you're not getting it. I've been sleeping well through all this craziness because I knew that we had a plan and I knew that it was being executed. And I knew that I ha- you had my back. And if you needed something, you're going to call me. If something needed change, you're going to call me. But I knew that I had my trusted advisor doing what he was supposed to do. And it just, he says, I didn't worry about it. Mm-hmm. And he said, I just, when you first told me that, that's one of the things that I, I that he would have gained confidence in what we do. He says, I'm like, oh, whatever, you know, type yeah. deal. But he said it, it was so true in that moment of one of the most volatile periods in the past decade in the grain market that he had confidence and he had, for lack of a better term, some peace yeah. about what was going on. So and that was really powerful and that, really invigorating for me. That's so. huge because we do, and you mentioned it before, in the farm world, we're doing everything based on emotion. Like I planted that crop, I harvested it, my blood, sweat, and tears are in there. I don't want to sell it for nothing. But right. if we have the plan, it's no different than having a plan to get away from the bank, right? Having a plan to pass off the farm to the next generation. If there's yep. no plan, you're speculating. I just yep. love that. I'm going to so steal that from you. <laughs> you are, you're speculating, you're hoping you're speculating and praying. with your farm futures if you do not have a, uh, inherit, not an inheritance, but just a transition plan. Right. You're speculating on the farm's future ability to survive. Yeah. And so can you tell me, and maybe you went over this already, but the last time that we visited, you said the ARC group is a little bit different because they're not, they're looking at a history of what the market's done. Okay. So yes, when we are setting our pre-harvest prices. Okay. You know, we are uh, right now we are pricing the crop that is being 2020. Okay. And typically the historical best price for that crop is set between the end of January and the end of July in the crop year you're in. Okay. And we do a lot of average (laughs) my joke is we're average marketers, right? And people say, why would I want to work with an average marketer? Because I'm not describing our quality. I'm describing our process is that I want to sell your crop in a time and get an average of what the market gave to us in that historical time frame. Okay. That I'm going to sell if you had a hundred thousand bushel to sell, 
we're going to do that over 100 days. We're going to price 1,000 bushel every day for 100 days, right? And at the end of that 100 days, we will have a 100% true average of what the market opportunity was in that time frame. And another, you know, story like so. My goal is that I'm pretty, you know, that I can sell at the high every year. Whoa, you're really good. No, I'm going to sell a thousand bushels at the high, and I'm going to sell a thousand bushels the day before the high, and we're going to sell a thousand bushels the day after the high. And it just gets back to a study that was done early 2000s by, you know, the University of Illinois, that the best farm brokers, if you will, brokerages could not beat the historical average in a 10-year set, right? And that's the power of the average is that, yes, we want to be average grain marketers because you can't select 100 data points in that same time frame and beat the average. Oh my gosh. So people, like if you're watching this on YouTube, you may have seen the light go off in my office because I finally get it. (laughs) 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 Oh my gosh. I have not gotten that for how many times we've talked i have never gotten that See, I but get it was it. the story it was a story <laughs> about being average right it's, that it is just ex- all about being average yeah that is truly yeah. what like that it all clicked anyway okay so yeah. i'm excited <laughs> i'm excited about that because if i get it and there's people out there listening that have never understood it or why why because i do believe that is possibly what sets ARC off, ARC group differently than anybody else I've talked to in the broker world. And I used, my office used to be right beside a broker and I could not understand what the hell he was doing. So to me, this makes sense. We're not just talking about every day he would talk about the markets and sell and this is what it's going to be tomorrow and projecting and history and like And maybe some of that is exciting and the trading of a day-to-day basis is exciting to you. Mm -hmm. But remember, if you're listening, the reason we use life insurance and not the market, the 401ks and IRAs and that sort of thing, the stock market, is because we want liquidity control and guarantees. And here, if we have an average we have a little more of a guarantee. We're mitigating that risk versus taking all of that risk and deciding what day we're going to haul. So right. definitely like that makes sense to me because I'm not a risk taker and I want to know that I'm making a profit in my business. Okay. Right. So Tim, how do people get a hold of you? Because you can work with anybody. And if you can't work with somebody, you are, Tim is a lot like me, which is why I like Tim. If I can't work with you, I'm going to send you to somebody that you can work with. If we can't do business, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to take money from you. We just can't do it. And so if it is not going to cost you anything to reach out to Tim, if he can't help you, he's going to be honest and tell you he can't help you. Because people, he's from South Dakota, Minnesota. North Dakota, we're all the Midwest honest, That's right? right? And so, so Tim, yeah, how do sure they... you betcha. How's your bacon? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that is definitely Minnesota, not North Dakota. <laughs> yeah. uh, so how do you, how do people get a hold of you? So probably the 
easiest way, uh, just reach out to me on my office phone. Uh, it's 507-295-3210. And uh, wherever I'm at, that number tags with me, forwards to my cell phone when I'm out of my office. That works pretty well. Or you can drop me an email. Pretty simple. Just T as in Tom, Bickett at agrisk.net. T Bickett at agrisk.net. Or you can stalk me on one of the social media sites that are out there. I'm on LinkedIn under Tim Bickett, Facebook as well. And uh, I, uh, I'm on Twitter as uh, at Bick underscore Tim. So. Okay. And so it's email is tbickett at eggrisk.net. Correct. So it's, and it's B-I-C-K-E-T-T. Correct. For those of you that are not watching on YouTube and cannot see his name, I will have it in the show notes as well. Um, I'll put his information in there for you to get a hold of him. Perfect. But if you want to reach out to him, he will be able to help you answer any of those questions. But again, if you're not marketing, can I ask you why? Can I ask you why? Yep. Okay. Thank you, Tim, for being here. Thank you. You're welcome. Appreciate it. All right, all. Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it. I hope that you enjoyed this podcast and you learned something because we all know the light went off for me. So I'm hoping that you learned something as well. As always, please leave a review. Please email me if you have anything that you want me to talk about. I have a couple episodes coming up from and just requests from listeners. So I very much appreciate that. Mary Jo at withoutthebank.com. Otherwise, you have a great day and I'll be in touch next week, Friday morning. Talk to you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Farming Without the Bank podcast. We hope today's episode has inspired you to take control of your finances in new ways. Don't forget to check out our website, farmingwithoutthebank.com and engage with us on our Facebook page, Farming Without the Bank. Join us next week as we smash more financial myths and empower you to accomplish your financial goals.